Welcome to Key 3 Educators, helping you excel as a Christian school leader, educator, or homeschooler as you outfit students to learn themselves, love God, and live connected. Here's your host, Stephanie Smith. Hey there, welcome back. I am so delighted to be with you today. We're going to continue part two of the power of the ask. In part one, I share the true story of learning the importance of asking, not assuming, because I didn't ask and I did assume, and it was a major fail for me as a parent. If you haven't listened to part one of The Power of the Ask, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that first. Sure, you can jump in right here with us today, but this will make a lot more sense if you have the backstory and all of the prior information. Before we pick up and continue with part two, I mentioned a major failure as a parent, and trust me, I had plenty of those. I have a sneaking suspicion that my kids are keeping a record book somewhere. I don't know. They haven't told me about that yet. But as the mom of five now grown sons, I know firsthand the incredible challenges of parenting. And one of my aims is to encourage and empower parents with confidence that's based on timeless truths found in scripture and practical application bringing together modern scientific research on human dynamics and development and applying that through the lens of the Christian faith. Sometimes we think there's only about three verses in the Bible that have to do with parenting, train up a child in the way he should go. Have you heard that one before? Of course. But there's a wealth of additional information that's modeled for us by God the Father beginning in Genesis chapter 1. And that's one of the speaking engagements that I have just for parents. So if you would like the parents in your school or in your community to be empowered with meaningful material and encouraged by someone who really gets what it's like, then check out the speaking page at key3educators.com. All right, last time we talked about the power of the ask and choosing that over the promise of the assumption. And today we're going to continue by looking at four specific applications and benefits when we are intentional about incorporating the power of the ask in how we do life, in how we engage in the classroom, how we engage with our staff, and how we engage with others in our community. Ready? Let's jump in. Another clue to seek the ask and use the power of the ask and not default to the promise of the assumption is when you find yourself labeling a person. Here's the thing. We all do that. We just tend to do that because, again, our brains are kind of lazy and we'd rather just put somebody in a box and we'd rather put a label on that box and say, they're a jerk or they're selfish or that student is apathetic or that person doesn't care or that person doesn't listen. And we want to make somebody all in this box that we can just stick preferably one label on, but nobody is like that. So we have to be intentional to defy our brain's desire for laziness and to say, I'm not going to default to that. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, brain, you got to get up off the couch and you got to get to work. 
And so you're going to get curious here and you're going to use the power of the ask. Why is that student not engaging in my class? And it's easy. And I totally get it as an instructor when everything about that student, their tone, their body language, the quality or lack thereof of their work, they're consistently showing up late, not having their homework done, all of that kind of thing. I understand where all of the evidence can point to a very logical conclusion that, well, they, they just don't care about this class or they don't care about their education or they don't care about the grades or whatever. But again, I want to remind you of the story I told you at the beginning. You know, I had totally logical reasons for assuming that my oldest son had just dropped off his interest in reading because of his age. Hey, you know, he's getting into those adolescent years and sometimes that happens and that's probably what's going on and blah, blah, blah. And I was dead wrong. If you find yourself labeling a student as apathetic or not caring, get curious. Invite that student. Maybe there's a couple of students. Maybe you have two or three students sitting in that classroom and maybe they're buddies or friends or they have their own little tribe thing going on. As, as a group, uh, what appears to be that they've decided that they're just not going to engage in the classroom. Get curious. Don't just keep them after class one day for 30 seconds. Invite them to lunch. Hey, buy them pizza. This isn't an interrogation where you're going to sit down and put them in a dark room and say, all right, spill the beans. Tell me why you don't engage in this classroom because I know that you just don't really care. It's not about that. It's sitting down and saying, look, guys, I want to be really honest with you or gals, it seems to me that you're just not really engaged in the class. And I just really would like for you to share with me why. Now, I am not naive enough to think that all of a sudden, poof, the, the conversational doors are going to spring open and they're going to come out with all of these answers as to why they're sitting there staring at the floor and causing all kinds of other diversions instead of participating in discussions. But if you keep at it, and if you really prepare your heart to listen to what they have to say, that you are there to seek to understand, not to reply, following one of Stephen Covey's um, seven great principles for life, eventually you're probably going to hear th some things that if you're open can help you, might even surprise or even shock you. Maybe your methods of teaching do need some work. Maybe you need to hone your craft a little bit more. Maybe you've gotten a little stale in your teaching methodology. Maybe there's some things you need to bring into the classroom to be able to reach a broader diversity of students. Maybe they've checked out because they just really don't value education because of how they've learned to define education. Maybe they've only been able to see and experience it in terms of these assignments that we don't see any real connection to in real life. And somebody's telling us 15 years from now, it's really going to mean something. And all we get is this transcript that has this letter on it. What's the point to our real life when they feel like they have much more real life important things that they are dealing with right now. And most kids do. If they don't have their own internal angst going on because of adolescence and they're younger, or even if it seems like that they've got everything going for them, there's always some angst that comes along with adolescence. And 
There's turmoil that can happen with childhood. And how many kids are dealing with things now where they've got stuff going on at home? They've got an older or younger sibling who is not doing well. They've got a parent who's absent. They've got marital fighting going on between parents. They've got a single parent home. They have a parent who's got an addiction problem. I mean, there can be a whole lot of other things going on in a student's life where their mind and their heart is so preoccupied and weighed down with the concerns of their life right now. They truly do not have the strength and energy much less the zeal and enthusiasm to be learning the quadratic formula or about the war of 1812 and what relevance it has to today or about gerunds and participles and all of this kind of stuff. Ask, don't assume. Also, again, we don't want to just ask when there are problems. We also want to ask when things are positive. You know, sometimes we can have students who are doing so well And these can be the kids that we love. I mean, they turn in their papers and everything is perfect and they're so highly motivated. And we can put labels on these kids. Oh, they're motivated. They're engaged. They care about academics. And we can end up also doing harm to them because we make assumptions rather than ask the questions. Perfectionism can be just as much not only of a distraction, but a disturbance and a devastation in people's lives as the other more overt forms of problematic human behavior. Addictions can be easy to recognize. Perfectionism has kept many a person from achieving their true potential. And some students who are doing amazing work and turning in perfect work, their real struggle is perfectionism. They don't know how to cope in the world unless everything's perfect. There are many students who can, quote, succeed in school who are not going to succeed in life because they are driven to perform because of perfectionism. And that will take a toll on them that is not sustainable for success in life. And someday they will pay a price for that. They will either hit burnout or they will continue missing opportunities because I just have to do this better and then I can do this. Well, once I get to this point, once I get that degree, once I achieve this, then I'm going to be able to step through that opportunity door, or then I'm going to be able to do this. And those can be people who don't end up in a prison surrounded by barbed wire, but they end up in the prison of perfectionism and never become fully who they have the capacity to be. So I encourage you, don't just get curious about students who are not doing well. Get curious and ask some questions about students who are succeeding. We want to Embrace the power of the ask instead of the promise of the assumption, because first of all, it does keep us more mindful of what's going on in our own thinking. It develops our own self-awareness. We have to stay diligent and pay attention to what's the story that we are telling ourselves about other people and about ourselves. 
The more that we make assumptions about an individual or a group of people, the more likely we are to engage in that practice with more and more and more people, not just to keep that confined to that particular individual or group of people. The other reason that we want to use the power of the ask is because we want to verify that the people are around us are hearing us correctly. It's a way to verify that our communication is effective. And we know that because we're asking, not because we are assuming. We also ask because it is what opens the door to a relationship. You know, in the Garden of Eden, when when God shows up after Adam and Eve had eaten of the forbidden fruit, he doesn't show up and ask, where are you? And why did you do this? Because he was missing information that they needed to provide. He asks questions because that was what opened the door for them to come to repentance, to receive forgiveness. And it was the way to open a door for a relationship with them, for understanding. He didn't need the understanding, but they needed the understanding of themselves and they needed the accountability to God. They needed to get honest with themselves so that they could be honest with God. So when we ask people questions and we don't make assumptions, we are opening the door to relationship and inviting them to take responsibility for their personal decisions. When the woman in the New Testament who had been suffering with this blood discharge for 12 years comes to Jesus in the crowd. And she says, you know, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be healed. And so she does that. And I have to understand in the times, she was taking an incredible risk. She was banned from so much of social life and so much of the spiritual practices of worship that it it's something we can't really even wrap our minds around today. It would be and, and this is just a small, pale comparison, but going back to COVID, think of if everybody else in your community had been able to carry on as normal and you had been the only person with COVID for like six months in your community. So you're the one who's banned from participating in life, but everybody else around you gets to go on just as normal. When Jesus says to this woman, who touched me? It wasn't an accusation. And again, he wasn't asking this because he didn't know who touched him and he needed somebody to give him a point of information. He asked that question because it's an invitation to come into a relationship with him. Jesus isn't calling this woman out because he wants to shame or embarrass her. She has had plenty of that for 12 years. He's calling her out because it's a way to affirm her dignity and her healing. You see, she may have gone home had Jesus not called her out, and she might have wondered, am I, am I really healed? Um, I think I'm healed, but is it actually going to stay? Is this temporary? Fear would have probably constantly plagued her. Did she do something wrong? Was she sneaky? You know, she hadn't really gone up and confronted Jesus. She hadn't really engaged in conversation with him. Would someday God find out that she'd snuck in for her healing and and decide to take it back. Jesus doesn't just want her delivered from this physical problem. He wants her whole being to be set free. And so he calls her into this question. He uses a question to call her out 
as a way of engaging in relationship and bringing healing and wholeness to her life. She'd already had the physical healing, but she needed the soul healing that went along with it. Getting curious and asking other people questions is a phenomenal way to not just get them to line up with the expectations of what they need to be doing for their homework or their assignments or for showing up and and fulfilling their job assignments as an educator. It's a way of calling them into a wholeness of life. I want to encourage you, get curious. Use the power of the ask. Verify why people are really on board or not on board with an initiative or a plan. Verify why or why not students are engaged in the classroom. Pay attention to the stories you're telling yourself and use the ask to make sure that you don't just default back into making judgments about other people that can ultimately carry over into how you see even more people and shut down doors of opportunity for you and for them. And now I'm going to ask you a question. Would you take just a few moments and leave a review for this podcast? Reviews are a way that tell the algorithm, hey, this podcast is worth putting in front of other people. You know, it's just one insight or idea or resource that can make a difference in us being able to solve a problem or to get the material to help somebody else solve a problem. So just taking a couple of minutes is a way for you to pay it forward, to be able to share not just with your community, but with people around the world information and content that can really help them achieve their absolute best and to bring up upcoming generations who are skilled in life's three key endeavors to learn themselves, to love God, and to live connected. So there's my ask for the day. Rate and review and then, yeah, share this podcast with your colleagues or somebody you know across the country or even around the world. And remember, my friend, you have an impact that is immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable. Thank you for being with us today. For information on speaking engagements and resources for your school or family, visit the website key3educators.com. Remember, learn yourself, love God, and live connected.